Hey there. Welcome to the Freelancer's Guide to Cybersecurity podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Byram, and this is the cybersecurity podcast for freelancers, consultants, and the people who hire them. You can find detailed show notes for this episode at cyber.dukecityconsulting.com. Those notes include a summary of the discussion, as well as links to resources mentioned during the show. Freelancers cut corners by using versions of software designed for the home user market rather than versions for small businesses. This can be a problem when the software doesn't have the functionality they require, especially security functionality. What can be worse is when freelancers double down on this budget approach and load freeware onto their devices, then expect modest home antivirus programs to fully support their cybersecurity needs. We all know I am all about being thrifty. But there's a tipping point when your thriftiness threatens your security and your ability to do business. Today, I discuss a couple of areas in which you do not want to cut corners. The first case for today was a freelance colleague who called me up. She was new to freelancing and had gotten a new gig, but her client required her to use BitLocker to protect their files. She called me up because she couldn't find it anywhere on her new laptop. She had cut corners on her new laptop and gotten the home use version of Windows. And I, unfortunately, had to tell her that BitLocker is only available on the professional version. So to keep her client who insisted on BitLocker, she would have to upgrade her operating system. So in the end, she saved no money and gained only the irritation of having to upgrade or pass on this client. So that's only a tale of inconvenience. Let's move on to the true crime portion of our podcast. Recently, a colleague who had experienced a phishing attempt indicated that she had not only permanently deleted the phishing message, and permanently is her word, not mine, and she kind of meant that she had also deleted it from her trash folder. As an aside, we all know that just because you can't see it and it looks deleted doesn't mean it's not there, but moving on. She had run a utility program to quote-unquote clean her machine. So she was asking about that utility program. And the name of the program is beside the point. I had not heard of the program, but that means nothing because I avoid uh, utilities. I like to go to the source of the problem and just maintain things myself. And I also really avoid freeware. And uh, you will find out why as the story goes on. Anyway, I went to a trusted security source to look it up. I found the utility listed, and the search result was exactly what I had suspected. My colleague's beloved utility is an established program, but it had gone rogue, and a Trojan, which is a type of malware, had been detected in the latest version. Her antivirus program had completely missed it. She uses one of the antivirus programs for the home market. And then she added freeware into the mix, and uh, it was just bound to be a disaster. As I mentioned before, you know, many consumers get a nasty surprise from trusted, established programs going rogue. 
Um, and some malware masquerading as an app, it, it can function in the way it should, at least initially, convincing the user the app is legit. But then it can be bought by another company. The team working on the program, uh, whatever you want to call it, the freeware, it can be a software program, can be uh, called an app if it's on one of your mobile devices. Maybe you're using uh, freeware on your, your website and it's a plugin. You may have one on your browser and in that case it's called an extension. Um, in this case it was software on a laptop and you know especially in the realm of freeware the motto buyer beware should be the rule of thumb. Uh, initial checks are great, but ongoing monitoring of the legitimacy of the code is really on you. So the problem is that any one antivirus software package designed for home use catches about two-thirds of extant threats. So what about the other third? The digital products of large corporations undergo continuous scrutiny. So bugs and vulnerabilities come to light, with information about them disseminated across websites and Twitter almost in real time. But products from smaller entities, including individuals, like utility programs, apps, extensions, etc., do not undergo the same ongoing crowdsourced scrutiny. Add to the mix the two-thirds efficacy of most home market antivirus applications, and this can be a substantial exposure for many users. That's where the service I'm about to tell you about comes in handy. It's called Virus Total, and we'll have a link to that on our show notes. Uh, but Virus Total allows users to submit code and URLs, which the service and its partners then run through 70, 70 antivirus programs and URL and domain blacklisting services, plus a bunch of other tools designed to sniff out malicious code. The results are aggregated and shared via the VirusTotal website. That malware that gets past the average antivirus likely won't sneak past VirusTotal. The database of programs and the archive of the outcomes of their scans is easily searchable. The utility my colleague used had a long history of scans, and the latest one had detected the Trojan. With the information about the version that had been run and the date, she could now determine if the code she had installed on her computer likely included malicious code and proceed accordingly. What would have been better is if she had checked VirusTotal before installing this utility or updating this utility. VirusTotal is free to non-commercial users. The code non-commercial users submit for scanning is a product VirusTotal provides to its commercial users who do pay. It's hard to see the downside for the non-commercial user searching for information on a piece of software or submitting code or a URL to be checked. The upshot? Well, there too. First, keep an eye on the tools you use so you don't inadvertently try to address an attempted cyber attack with malware you installed yourself. The second point here, I suppose, is to not cut corners so tightly that you don't have the tools you need to do your business well. As a freelancer, you are responsible for providing yourself with the tools you need to do your business well and to do it securely. So make sure that you put that money into your budget to get the tools you need 
make sure they're secure, and make sure they're updated so that they can stay secure. The Freelancer's Guide to Cybersecurity podcast is a production of Duke City Consulting. Learn more at cyber.dukecityconsulting.com.